Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Today's episode, Kevin Ingram, one of the voices of Vanderbilt Athletics, will join us today. We will talk Commodore football, basketball, and baseball. This season of the podcast made possible by my friend Jody Jones, DDS. Jody, a former Commodore football player, a Vanderbilt Athletics booster. Jody also runs the premier dental business in the Nashville area. Jody's practice is located at 55 Music Square East. You walk in and it does not feel like a dental office at all. Feels more like a tooth spa, as someone has described to me. You feel relaxed. He's got a helpful and friendly staff. And whether you need cosmetic or general dentistry services, Jody is your guy. You will go in. You will see why he is the choice of entertainment folks, music stars, movie stars, athletes, coaches, all kinds of folks across the music city go to Jody as their dentist of choice, and he's been rated the number one dentist in the Nashville area. Go see Dr. Jody Jones at 55 Music Square East. Thank him for making the Vandy Sports Podcast possible. Kevin Ingram joins us today. He is an old friend. He is now one of the two voices of the Commodores. We'll talk about that a little bit today. But first of all, Kevin, congratulations on that. A lot of folks in your position dream of being the voice of an SEC-type team. You've now realized that dream. How's that feeling for you? Oh, Chris, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, it's uh, it's very cool to uh, have this opportunity. You know, I've, I've lived pretty much my whole life in the SEC footprint. And, uh, you know, to have a chance to do this is really special. And, you know, and especially at a place where, you know, I've, I've worked in various roles for a long time, part-time, but to... Uh, to have a full-time job and to uh, to be one of the voices is, is really cool and really special and a big honor and uh, big shoes to fill with uh, with Joe Fisher, of course, uh, being being their predecessor here and uh, been a great friend for a long time um, and and uh, look forward to working uh, more with Andrew Allegretta. We we got to uh, uh, work together during the College World Series with SC Media Days last week and so uh, got some really cool content coming up beyond just the games. We're going to be doing a lot of podcast and uh, social media content too, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and like you said, big shoes to fill. That's also a lot of responsibility because TV and radio are two different things. You're going to be doing some of both. You're also going to be the sideline guy for football. So you really are going to be a jack of all trades in, in very different roles in your duties at Vanderbilt. Yeah, I've uh, you know I've been sideline reporter in, in, in <laughs> for quite a while, actually. Uh, I did it for 10 or 11 years uh, starting in 2002. And then uh, just last season, I moved back into that role, and uh, I will continue that this year. Uh, but it, it's an interesting job. There's no doubt about it because uh, you get to see a little bit of everything down there on the field during these games. So uh, hopefully it'll be a little more normal than last year was. Last year was really strange. Uh, you know, we didn't travel in any of the road games, and I, I sat up in the stands most of the time for the uh, home games because it wasn't really uh, anywhere for me to be on the sideline with all the uh, COVID restrictions. But, yeah, doing that and uh, – uh, Colin basketball, which I've done a lot of for a long time. Of course, uh, I called Belmont's games for 17 years and part of an 18th season. And uh, baseball, I've done TV, I've done radio, so I've done a little bit of everything there. And uh, you know, it's a really special program to be part of there too. And uh, just coming off that College World Series run, which was uh, super fun. It was it was uh, uh, just a, an amazing and special season there for Tim Corbin's team. So uh, glad to continue to be part of that group. 
Yeah, I want to circle back to college baseball and going to Omaha in a minute, but I got to ask, I think we all have our favorite things about our jobs. What is it about your new role that you're most looking forward to? Um, I think for me, um, you know, a lot of the things that I'm going to do are things that I've actually done before, but I, I think just having a chance to to be on campus on a more regular basis and to get to know the uh, the coaches and athletes better, uh, that, that's one of the things, you know, especially during the COVID year, I felt like I missed out on was really getting to to feel like I was part of the group uh, all the years that I did Belmont. I mean, I know all the players, I know the families and coaches and their families and all that. I, I didn't really get that last season just due to the way that the season was, uh, just sort of the nature of the, the you know, with, with everything with COVID and not being able to travel. Got a little more of a taste of that with baseball, especially with the trip to Omaha. We were there for so long and uh, just around the around everybody a little bit more. But I, I think just getting to know everybody and being around more and uh, uh, have, having a chance to uh, tell some of the stories of the student athletes more is is really what I'm looking forward to. Uh, I, I saw the uh, SEC basketball schedule, at least the opponents and whether you're playing at home or playing at road, uh, came out earlier today. And I, I kind of got me excited about uh, going some new places. I, I've done games in over 100 college gyms, but uh, I saw a handful that I haven't been to on that schedule. So I'm looking forward to those. Yeah, that had to be just a crazy challenge last year to call some games when you're not even on venue. I, I felt badly for the people who had to do what you had to do last year at times. Yeah, it was pretty challenging. Uh, the ones I feel badly for are baseball because so much of calling baseball is following the flight of the ball, and you just cannot get that no matter how good your video feed is. You can't get that without being on site. Now, calling basketball and calling football, a little bit different. Uh, I, I felt like the basketball games actually went okay. Uh, if you have a big enough monitor and and uh, the really the main thing is is having the natural sound from the arena in your headset. And with the SEC games, the SEC network, we were able to get a feed that was pretty much right on top of what we were watching. The, the audio was right with the video, uh, which took a little syncing up to do. Uh, as long as you had that, it was doable. You, you just miss so much by not being on site. And I, I really hope everything is is back to somewhat normal where we can go and, and do the games in person because it, it makes all the difference in the world. Uh, but the, the sound of it is almost as important as the video part of it, just being able to hear the whistles and because especially calling basketball, it's like muscle memory. You hear the whistle, you look straight at the official. I mean, it, it, you do this stuff for so long, and just sort of it's all about knowing where to look. And uh, to me, that was one of the most challenging parts of it. Football, uh, I, I did not really do any play-by-play -play for football um, remotely last year, but uh, I got to think that was super challenging too. But yeah, it, it was it was not the easiest. Everybody sort of did the best they could, but I. I really hope everyone will be back to uh, being on site. And I, I watch a lot of Major League Baseball, and I know that not everybody's been back on site for those yet, but they need to get that done too. It, it just makes a, a huge difference. And just the amount of time you're able to be around the coaches and players and talk to everybody and sort of get a little more of a feel for what's going on. Omaha, you'd never been there for the College World Series, if I remember that correctly. You get to call it. Vanderbilt comes up one game short of a national, national title. Just what was that like? That whole experience, calling that all the weird things that happened, being out there for the first time. Just give me your takeaways and memories from that experience. Well, I, I'd never been to the whole thing. Now, I'd actually been to a little bit of it. I went to the championship series in 2019, 
so I, I, I had been there once before, but I had not been anything close to resembling what this experience was like. You know, we were there from start to finish, from uh, the Wednesday before you started on Saturday all the way through the very, very end. It was 16 days in Omaha. And I, I was joking that I felt like I would seen everything Omaha had to offer by the end. Drew Fan told me that if you start thinking about going to the zoo for a second time, you know it's time to try to win the thing and come on back home. But it, it was an it was an amazing experience. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, we we had some incredible games, uh, walk off wins twice, uh, including the opener against Arizona, and then that crazy win against Stanford where Vanderbilt was down to his last strike. I was sitting there thinking as. Uh, Javier Vaz was uh, batting and had two strikes on him. It's like a one-two count with the season on the line that this is not going to be a very fun flight back to Omaha the next morning. And lo and behold, uh, a few batters later and a couple runs and a wild pitch and a big hit by Enrique Bradfield, Vanderbilt had won the game and w- was moving on. So uh, that that game was certainly, that, that had to be one of the most memorable games I've ever been a part of in any sport. Uh, and then you had the whole situation with NC State, which was unfortunate for NC State. You had just a lot of stuff that went along with that, and some of it I just didn't think was very fair to Vanderbilt. But And then the championship series against Mississippi State. Vanderbilt won the first game, but uh, Mississippi State played great in the final two games. And I, I went to 14 of the 16 games that were played. I went. I don't want to say I went start to finish, but I went to at least part of 14 of the 16 games. And it was pretty clear to me early on that Mississippi State was certainly one of, if not the team to beat in the whole deal. So I, I thought they were a very worthy champion and uh, uh, de- deserving of winning the title. But from a Vanderbilt perspective, it, it was really disappointing to come up one run, you know, one game short, uh, one victory short. But it was an amazing and memorable run and. Uh, I don't know if we'll see anything like Kamar Rocker and Jack Leiter uh, for for anybody again anytime soon. So that that part was super special too. But it was a fun experience in Omaha. I'd, you know, aside from the games, which were fantastic, uh, I, I went to the zoo, which also includes the old Rosenblatt Stadium site. I wish I could have gone to the World Series when it was there. Um, I, I walked a lot. I, there's a little bridge that goes over the river over to Iowa, and so uh, from the hotel. To over to Iowa, Council Bluffs, and backs about three miles around trips. I did that pretty much every day. Uh, when we had the cancellation with NC State, uh, I rented a, found a cheap rental car at the airport, so I went out there and, and got a car, and uh, I drove to South Dakota, which was one of the uh, states I had not visited before, so I checked that one off the list. So I, I did a little bit of everything. I had a, had a great time. It was a lot of time in a hotel. Uh, 16 days was a long stretch. Did laundry once. Uh, did a couple loads of laundry, actually. But uh, it, it was something I will not forget, uh, being out there and, and being with that team. And uh, it was it was really, really a cool experience. How many states have you checked off your list? I have been to 46. And uh, hopefully I'm going to get one more this year. Vanderbilt's supposed to play basketball in Hawaii in December. And so uh, hopefully get to uh, check that one off the list. So that would leave me with five to go. The ones I haven't been to are Hawaii, North Dakota, Montana, Iowa, Wyoming, and New Mexico. So, you know, that, that cluster of states there sort of in the upper mountain region of the U.S. is a, a big part of the area that I haven't been to. We were going to go to North Dakota a couple of years ago when we were in Minnesota, but we just sort of ran out of time. We were going to drive over to Fargo one day, but it just uh, didn't happen. So hopefully at some point I'll be able to see all the rest of those. I, I don't know when that might happen, but... Uh, it's it's been fun over you know the course of a lot of years and you know, some of it traveling for games and a lot of it for vacations and, and in just various situations I've been able to to see a whole bunch of them. 
Yeah, I'm at 48, and I've got two that you need also. I've got North Dakota and Hawaii are the two. Uh, I've been to Minneapolis. I was going to swing over to North Dakota, just ran out of time. And Hawaii, I keep trying to convince my wife that every time they play in a tournament out there or something, that we need to go. I think there's a baseball series scheduled at some point. I've made that pitch several times. I've even thrown in the the tax write-off angle which is legitimate, but I haven't been successful in that. So maybe you can help me come up with a pitch there. But um, Yeah, I, I'm going to uh, gonna take the family, hopefully uh, spend Christmas out in Hawaii. So uh, I, I'm hoping that we can uh, make that happen because the, the tournament is right there at Christmas time. So I, I thought that'd be super cool if we could, we could spend uh, Christmas in Hawaii. Uh, Mele Kalikimaka, you know, as the song goes, uh, that, that would be a lot of fun. So ho- hopefully that can happen. I'm like you. I've, I've wanted to go out there for years. Um, I, I've watched – you know, the, we'll, we'll be in the uh, Diamond Head Classic, but I've watched that. I've watched the Maui Invitational. Vanderbilt's played in that several times. Uh, I've, I've always wanted to go to that stuff. So uh, look forward to, uh, to hopefully having a chance to do that. Yeah, and you actually will be calling games uh, Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, and then the 23rd as well, if I read the schedule correctly. Yeah, that's right. And it's it's a pretty good uh, roundup of teams out there. So, uh, yeah, that should be fun. And, uh, yeah, you, they, uh, you have to do a little bit of work in there, but uh, – you know, aside from from uh, calling the games, which will be a you know super cool experience too. Uh, hopefully, get to to have some fun and experience some of the uh, the culture of Hawaii, and uh, you know maybe you know go to. I, I always wanted to go to Pearl Harbor and see that, and just, you know just see the beach and see see all the things that they go with being there. So uh, that would be neat. I want to circle back to one more baseball issue before we go into the mailbag quickly, Kevin. I'm watching the Stanford game, and we. In our jobs, you you have to cover it a certain way. I have a certain way that I do it, and they're they're very different. But one commonality is sometimes you try to be prepared for what's ahead, right, and and think of what's coming. And and as a writer, I'm sitting there watching that Stanford game, and I'm thinking, I'm about to write up the season finale story. And it wasn't just that it changed, but, I mean, it was literally a sequence of about seven pitches where the story completely flipped and I'm watching it and Vanderbilt's winning the game and it's, it's not even sinking <laughs> in. It happened so fast. How do you process that as a broadcaster? What's going through your head at the time? Yeah. Like I said earlier, I mean, what was going through my head when we got to the ninth inning and, you know, Stanford has, I think his name was Beck, you know, one of the best pitchers in the, uh, the PAC 12 is on the mound. I'm thinking, you know, and he gets a couple quick outs and is like, man, Vanderbilt's just going to kind of go quietly here in this ninth inning and we're going to be done. And this is it. The season's over. Uh, and, and it was a game where it started off poorly, some defensive mistakes. Of course, Tim Corbin had the you know pretty fiery speech in the dugout early in the game. And after that, it felt like everything turned around. Vanderbilt got the bats going and scored some runs. And uh, but, yeah, when you got to that point in the ninth inning and Vanderbilt's behind by a run, I'm like, this is it. You know, if. You get get the first couple outs, and then now all of a sudden it's a one and two count, and nobody on base, and you're down a run. And Javier Vaz had that amazing at bat that basically saved the season. Took a, took a close pitch on a three two count for a ball four, and uh, got the rally started there. And you know, Enrique Bradfield had the big hit. Uh, I'm, I know I'm I'm leaving out some parts of it, but uh, you know Spencer Jones. Yeah, I think there was an infield hit, and Bradfield got the single down the line that uh, you know brought in the tying run and. Uh, then the the wild pitch and Spencer scored and uh, yeah it it went from sort of the disappointment and, and sadness of the season pretty much being over and thinking about how okay what are we gonna do and got to pack up all our stuff and probably gonna be leaving tomorrow morning to oh my goodness what just happened here we won this game and and we're going on to you know play some more you know the the team got this amazing win and uh, 
get to call some more games in the College World Series. So it, it was, it was, it was a crazy turn from from feeling like it was almost over to knowing you have you're going to be there for at least a few more days and uh, no telling what might happen and, and who could have foreseen all all the stuff with NC State uh, that was that was ahead of that. But it it was really a, a remarkable win and. That's the thing about baseball, you know, it's been said a million times, you can't just run the clock out. You have to get all 27 outs. And uh, I always think that 27th one is, is sometimes the hardest of all. And, and certainly that proved to be the case for Stanford. It was funny to watch their guys, too, after the game was over. They were all gathering out in right field, just kind of looking at each other like, what just happened here? We, we had, you know, one out and one strike to get to uh, to move on and, and play for a spot in the finals ourselves. And now we're done. Oh, what, what just happened? So uh, it, it was a lot to process, I think, for everybody involved. I'm going to go into, go into the mailbag here. That is sponsored by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, call Taylor or Russell at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Okay, Five Star, five star Door asks, in terms of a win-loss record, what should be considered a successful inaugural season for Clark Lee? Well, that that's a hard one. You know, I have several people have asked me that question, and uh, – I, mean, I think just winning a few games and feel like you're you're competitive and making progress in SEC games. I, I don't know that I can put a number on on the wins. You hope you can have success, some success against the four non-conference opponents. Uh, East Tennessee State. You hope you can come out and have something to feel good about and, and win a ball game to start the season. You got Colorado State on the road. You got Stanford at home. You got UConn coming to Nashville. And then there's there are all the SEC games, which all, no matter who you're playing or what the situation is, you know all those are going to be difficult. But I, I think just winning a few games and feeling like you're making progress and, and seeing guys buying into and understanding the system, I, I think that to me would be uh, the biggest sign of uh, success for this team in year one with Clark Lee, who I, I thought was really impressive at SEC Media Days the other day. And uh, everybody who heard him talk or had a conversation with him, I think came away uh, – feeling like he was a good selection for this job. Okay, this one comes from Cortez James. Which SEC games can Vanderbilt steal? I would presume he means football. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I would say uh, that that would probably be the case. Uh, you know, kind of, I mean, you think about who all's on the schedule and, and where you play them. Uh, you, you got Georgia as the, uh, the first SEC game on September 25th. That's a tough one. You play at Florida, you play at South Carolina, you play home against Missouri home for Kentucky, and then road games against Ole Miss and Tennessee to finish up the year. Um, It's hard to say because you don't know. Teams look different when you get deeper into the season than you look when you're checking them out in in late July. Uh, But I I think more than anything, you just hope you can be competitive against those teams and play into the fourth quarter and have an opportunity to win those games. And we all know what the East Division Who's who's supposed to do what in the East, Georgia and Florida? And I tell you what, Kentucky's become a really good program in that East Division. But you know, you kind of look down. You got several new coaches in different places. Got new coaches in South Carolina and and Tennessee, and you know, so yeah, you, you don't necessarily know what those teams are going to be like. So I don't know. Maybe you can grab a couple wins here and there, and uh, just want to see this team be competitive in SEC games. Last year was really tough, and. You play an all-conference game season. That makes it really difficult uh, just, trying to, just trying to win a ball game. Vanderbilt came close a couple times, especially on the road against Texas A&M to start. And you think about Mississippi State, there are a couple other close ones. But uh, hoping break through and get a couple of victories this year. To me, this is one of the hardest seasons to size up from a just looking at the conference on a whole standpoint, Kevin, because – the season last year was truncated for many teams. 
You had opt-outs, some of which are coming back, some of which are not. You had, I think, a lot of turmoil on a lot of teams internally. You had canceled games, just all sorts of the craziness that went with last year. Then to add another layer on top of that, like a lot of us didn't get to spring, see spring football because of COVID and whatnot. To me, I think from a media standpoint, and I think we'll get there because we'll hopefully get some practice access, but just looking at this thing on a bigger level, I think that college football, uh, and particularly Pac-12 in some places like that, is almost harder to size up at this point of the season than it's ever been. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that, Chris. Uh, you know, at least in the SEC, everybody played a decent amount of games. I mean, you think about some of those other leagues where they only played, what, three or four or five games or something like that. You don't really have any idea what you have. And, you know, the players that are coming back that might have played last year or might not have played last year, what what will be their status? Where are they in, in the course of their careers? Uh, you talk about those those super seniors or whatever you want to call them that are, uh, you know, get that extra year of eligibility and trying to make the most of that. So. I think it's a really difficult year to figure out. In the end, it'll probably be the usual suspects when you get down to the playoffs. It always sort of feels like it's that way. But, yeah, I think it's going to be a really tough year to just size up at least going into the season until you see a few games and know what everybody's about. This next one is about the quarterback battle. And, again, we, we just didn't get to see much. I mean, we, we pick up on some things here and there, and I know you're in the same boat uh, but S.R. Kane wants to know, have you had any conversations that lend credence to what the offense will look like? Furthermore, what have you heard about the quarterback battle? Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I have not seen, you know, obviously uh, fall practice hasn't started yet. Did not see really any of spring ball either. But, you know, I, I, I would say most everybody outside the program would assume that Ken Seals would be the starting quarterback. He threw for 1,900 yards as a freshman last year. And I I thought he showed flashes of being a really t- good and talented young player. Uh, Mike Wright has certainly shown that uh, he can come in and make some things happen and give this offense a star- you know, a spark when he, he's in the game, especially maybe in a short yardage or a goal line situation. So looking forward to, to those two. I know there, there are other quarterbacks on the roster, but you got to feel like those two are probably going to be up at the top of the list. So uh, it'll be interesting to me to, to see what that dynamic is like, to see what the offense is like under Coach Rye. Uh, again, it's it's one of those things where the the, the unknown uh, is really more the uh, rule rather than the exception going into this season. Okay, this next one comes from Five Star Door. Are there any under the radar players on offense or defense that you expect to have a breakout season? A- again, a tough one. I mean, I guess to me the names that come to mind: Ethan Barr who really played a lot last year, Elijah McAllister, who's just a, a good-looking athlete that they seem to have plans for. Uh, you saw some breakout offensive performances in the spring game, particularly on the receiving side. Uh, th- that's probably where I start. But, I, again, we're all operating from limited information, so I'm just <laughs> curious what you're thinking on that is. Yeah, you know, I, I liked a lot of the skill guys that Vanderbilt had on offense last year. The, the problem was the the offensive line, just the, the lack of experience uh, – whether it was injuries or, or opt-outs and all those things, the offensive line was really depleted last year. So you hope that that group will have a little more of a, a normal season and uh, be able to protect it and provide some some blocking for these guys. But I, I'm with you. I really want to see the, the wide receiver group maybe as much as anything, led by Cam Johnson, you know, that, ex, that experienced player who's been through a lot of these things before. But, yeah, you got some really talented dudes that are going to be, uh, be out there catching the football, uh, whichever quarterback is cutting it loose. 
Ethan Barr, to me, was a guy who I, I thought he really came along. I had a good conversation with him toward the end of last season. And, uh, you know, you saw his playing time and, and effectiveness increase uh, for the uh, young Texan as uh, he went through his freshman season. So I, I think those are probably good selections. Of course, uh, Anthony Orgy, people were expecting big things out of him. I had some good conversations with uh, Davion Davis, who uh, is a big guy on that the, uh, defensive front. So, um, yeah, I – I think we'll probably know more as we see some practice and see who's really doing what, and you, you get a little bit closer to uh, the start of the season. But, yeah, just with the the limited amount that we've seen a lot of these players play, it's almost hard to pick a, a breakthrough player. Well, Will Shepard's the other guy that I meant to mention. He had that huge spring game with, I think, three touchdown catches. I mean, just completely out of the blue. We didn't get to see him much at all in fall. And, again, I don't know how much that was consistent with his – spring performance, but when the guy's like reaching over the, the top of a defender and, and basically taking an, an interception away, from, you know, that's right in front of the guy's face. You remember that that catch probably where he just oh, yeah. reached over the back of the defender. That was the one kid, too, that I'm really interested to see in fall ball or in fall camp, how that goes, because he really flashed some things that day. He did. Uh, Chris Pierce has shown us some good things uh, from the, the receiver spot over the years. And yeah, you look up and down the roster, you have some familiar names, some who've played more than others. So uh, yeah, I, I think the receiving group has a chance to be really good. It seems like the running back group uh, will have some a, a bit of rebuilding to do. You're probably going to have some, some younger guys to get more of a, a look at after you know a couple of players that were part of last year's team from the running back positions aren't here anymore. So yeah, I, there, there are a lot of questions, but the as far as the quarterbacks and receivers go, I, I think you feel pretty good about what you might have uh, with those position groups. The last one, this comes from Five Star Door. This is a tough one to answer again because this is, is pretty new, but he was wanting your input on and your opinion on how much of an impact does Vandy United have on the recruiting trail in football and men's and women's basketball? Look, I, I think the easier answer there is anytime you're making a public commitment to facilities through money, that can only help. I think so, too. I think especially once shovels start to go into the ground and you see some some things being constructed and tangible progress going on, um, I think it might be an easier thing to show recruits, but it's got to help, if you ask me, uh, the commitment to facilities and, and upgrades, not only for football and basketball, but for, really for a lot of sports on campus. Uh, I, I got to think that's going to help big time. Uh, if you can show those recruits, look, here, here's what we're doing. You can be a part of this. Uh, you know, there's it, going to be some really exciting stuff on campus in these next few years. You wish you could hit the fast forward button and have it all built and have it all done and see what it's going to look like. But I, I know um, some more of the plans are supposed to be coming out uh, here in the not too distant future. So uh, looking forward to seeing what it's all. I have an idea of some of what, what it's going to be like or, or uh, potentially look like, but I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing actual renderings and, and things like that. And, and just seeing the work get started and uh, let, let's get going on this thing. But uh, I know they're, Everyone's very excited about uh, having that program and progress underway and raising the necessary money. That's sort of the hard part to to get it done. But um, I, I think from a recruiting standpoint, that could do nothing but help. Kevin, I appreciate your time and joining us today. I want to give you a moment to promote your, your Twitter account or, or tell folks about any work that you're doing. I mean, I think most people know where to find that, but uh, I know <laughs> people like to follow you on Twitter and Facebook and social media or whatever. So tell people where they can do that. Yeah, the easiest way to do it is uh, find me at K Ingram Sports on Twitter. 
Um, you can follow uh, the various Vanderbilt Athletic Twitter sites. Uh, Andrew and I are going to have podcasts uh, not only during you know the, the main sports seasons, but throughout the year. Uh, we'll be doing those at least once a week. So to bring you some updates and some interviews on what's going on on campus. Uh, we're also going to be uh, the day after our coaches show on, on Monday night. We're going to be uh, providing a, a chance to go back and listen to that if you, if you didn't have an opportunity. So be looking for that. We're going to have a lot of social media content. So it's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, K Ingram Sports is uh, my Twitter handle. If you want to look for me there, that's the main place to uh, define uh, stuff from me. Um, and, and again, uh, all, all the uh, various Vanderbilt athletic sites uh, on Twitter and, and you know all, all different platforms that will have you covered. Hey, Kevin, thanks for your time today. We hope to catch up with you during football season. Anytime, Chris. Thanks, man. You bet. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Vandy Sports Podcast. Be sure and follow our work on our website at VandySports.com. Follow us on Twitter at VandySports.com. And Chris Lee 70 is my personal account. We thank our sponsors, Jody Jones, DDS, and Sutherland and Belt. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll see you again soon.